Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes. Ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota, and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. Hey, good morning. Welcome to this edition of the Real Estate Show here on HBO WCC. We are around every Saturday in the 10 o'clock hour. Chris and Andy in studio. I know we're going to be introducing some guests a little bit later on, but uh, if it's okay, let's talk uh, amongst oh, ourselves here. Oh, uh, how uh, how was your week since we spoke last? In well, it's real been two weeks since I've seen Andy, yeah. so this is yeah. yeah. Well, and I've been pre-consumed here with the uh, volleyball tournament down at the Excel uh, Energy Center, and so yeah. today's a big day for all the girls. Saturday here, we've got uh, a lot of the finals going on, and there's uh, a lot of talent, boy. Oh, really talent. It's, it's unreal. The volleyball yeah. is crazy. Yeah, yeah. The the the. For the price of admission, the games that you get to watch, and you, you know what it's like at State. You know, we all talk about the old high school stories. Well, these yeah. girls are living them live in front of you and creating these, you know, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened, right? And so, oh, man, I just love every minute. I know Chris and I uh, enjoy watching high school sports. We've always been big fans of the kids and, and seeing them and their successes. And it's uh, yeah. just, yeah, so come on down and support the uh, girls' high school volleyball. In the meantime, what about the real estate? How has the week been? Well, the snow starts changing things. Yeah, that's you know, true. I mean, obviously, we're moving into the mm-hmm. the winter market. Um, you know, some things like housekeeping for yep. like listings that are remaining on. Mm-hmm. You know, once we have like significant snowfall, that's when you start like flipping the photos, right? You know, and people yeah start thinking about um, getting some color out on their their front uh, steps. Mm-hmm. You know, or you know some sort of greenery uh, or mm-hmm. flowers, fake flowers. To be able to kind of make your house stand out a little better. I agree. I think that that, you know, now is uh, as we go into the next embracing the next season, I know a lot of us cringe, but if you're in the position of where you're trying to get that house sold, I think it's just like Chris said, it's a great time to reevaluate where you're at. Take a look at, you know, how are you presenting your house to the marketplace? And then you want to stay relevant by not looking like an old listing showing the beautiful green pictures anymore, like Chris was saying. So you you do want to actually get those photographers back out, probably starting pretty quick here, you know, um, and then uh, you reshoot some of those photos to reflect the current conditions. Keep because, it timely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it keeps you relevant and fresh, right? Sure. So if you don't stay fresh, when they're clicking online, they're not going to see. They look at the greenhouse or the green photos. They think, oh, that was from, you know, the summer, and summer was months ago. And they don't think about it saying, oh, I'm just trying to show you what it could look like. They don't think that way. They want to see what it looks like right now. So... Yeah, I've been spending a lot of time, and this is what happens kind of in this time. I spend a lot of 
time talking with other agents, mm-hmm. uh, networking, seeing what they've got and who they got and maybe people that are on the sidelines that maybe want to jump in now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really um, exciting deals out there, and I think you just start kind of, uh, you know, networking with each other. You start finding out about them. I was on mm-hmm. the way uh, into the studio today. I was talking to an agent, and we're going over things. I said, oh, by the way, do you have someone – I have someone looking for this, and it's exactly what I have coming mm-hmm. up, you know. So, and that never would have known, or maybe that person would have, you know, purchased it. But that gets my seller kind of moving a little more to be able to get this baby rolling, mm-hmm. you know, and, and get it on the market and show it. When whenever you guys are talking with a client and saying maybe you better do this with your house, or maybe you better remove some furniture, the clutter, or declutter, uh, it, it, since the advent of the internet and people are doing more research, is it easier when they say? Oh yeah, you're right. I saw that house is there's a lot more room. You know what I'm saying? They they can really see their competition. Yes, I think that's good. And I also think though that we're also I, at least I'm experiencing this. There, there's a, a large amount of the the population that you know in other industries have been able to replace parts of their. You know, you look at like taxis and Uber. Or you look at like you know the bed and breakfast kind of concepts with the uh, what do you where do you stay at Chris all the time? Those uh, the Airbnbs or whatever they are. And, you know, you think about those things, how industries keep changing. The one thing that I do think, unfortunately, about real estate with technology is, is that a lot of people have um, false expectations of, of knowledge. They think they're learning and they're, they're letting the Internet form their opinions. They're oh, letting yes. the Internet, uh, based off of statistics, give them an opinion. And it's, I'm telling you, I would not still yet, I'm still not comfortable with the technology out there to buy off the Internet yet. I still think that the agents that are out there are still earning their keep by doing the analysis for you. When you have three bedrooms on one level versus four, or you have a two-story versus a rambler, or you have, you know, and you're trying to compare properties around a lake, the, the, the automated systems don't know how to differentiate those things, or the better view, or the sandy shoreline, or whatever. So, Or um, the neighbor. Or the neighbor, right. Or and neighbors. The, or what's next to you. And mm-hmm. so what, what that agent will do is, is take that information that you've already learned, and then they'll either help you agree with it, or they're going to actually help you build a case to say this isn't accurate. Maybe we should really go this direction and guide you properly based on their experience and their professionalism. And I've, I've never seen a better time for agents to be relevant in this industry than right now because Good point. a lot of false expectations, I, I shouldn't say false expectations, just a lot of almost accurate information that people are making decisions on. And you just, our industry, I'm just telling you, our industry is not ready yet for that much technology yet. Yeah, and if I'll tell you, the thing we do, and I think is what's good about this radio show, other than you, Andy, is that <laughs> is You're that drinking my coffee? They get the information real time, right? Because what happens is all these stats and stuff pile up, and then eventually someone says, "Hey, by the way, the market's shifting mm-hmm. from a seller's market to now it's getting more to be a buyer's market in this area," and that's what we know day to day. And so, like online, you wouldn't get that. They got to get all these relevant stats to be able to talk about what happened a month ago. Well, and I get it because, you know, Denny, the thing that's hard about our industry too is that the, the sales uh, or the realtor, right, is also trying to earn your business. And so people say, I don't want to talk to a real estate agent because I don't want them to sell me anything or I don't want to be sold anything. And a lot of times that's because they're so fearful because they're ready to buy something. And I say at that time, that's when you should interview an agent. So instead of meeting somebody at the open house that you clicked online and you meet that agent for the first time at the front door of a house, why don't you sit down and have a cup of coffee with them, research their background, ask the agent to send you out a little resume on them, take a look at their experience level, look at are they going to be the good agent for you, and then when you meet together, you're almost interviewing that agent as being someone to guide you, right? And so you're – because you're, you're employing that agent to work for you. So you, you have lots of options. I think, what, over 20,000 agents in the Twin Cities now that are licensed – 
which I heard a stat this week, Denny, that still was over 12,000 agents, even now, have not yet done a transaction this year. Out of It's crazy. 12,000 have not. Have not. Now, granted, there's probably hey, there's some, still two months left. <laughs> yeah, we're rooting for you guys. Um, no, but, you know, the idea there is, is it's it's becoming a, a, a definitely a, a team-dominant industry or the bigger agents have a majority of the business, but there's a reason why. They usually have the right resources. They have the teams there. They have the, you know, the right listings, and they know what they're doing, and so there's a reason why there's success in those pockets. But Do you know when you're uh, interviewing folks uh, to be part of your business, can you tell pretty much right away after that first interview, think, mm, I don't think so? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, sometimes, I mean, some really surprise you. Like, mm. wow, you just didn't know they have it. But, I mean, I think the biggest thing in, in the real estate industry is you got to have a work ethic. You know, yeah. and when I'm talking a work ethic, you got to, I mean, it's not a it's not an eight to five job. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of nights and weekends that you got to do, and a lot of people just can't do that. Yeah, it, it, that, that is for sure. The commitment of time is, is you have to change your lifestyle around it. If you decide to get in this industry, I mean, if you're leaving another industry and you're you're excited about real estate, you love homes, this is a great business. I mean, I've loved it. My family, uh, you know, and I have all... all uh, we both grew up in it, basically. Your parents grew up in it, too. So we don't know any different. But uh, if you're getting from a nine-to-five job and then you want to get into real estate, it kind of becomes the opposite. You want to think of when people are available, that's usually the evenings, that's and the true. weekends. And, and the so, weekends. Yep. So you sometimes are at the cabin on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and and that's okay too, though. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's just you got to figure it out. Yeah, we're excited about today's show, though. Oh yeah, we got, uh, we got a developer and an engineer. Well, you know, you know why? Because we want actually Rooneyville to become real, and so we uh, brought these resources. Reality, these guys, it's coming. Yeah, Rooneyville's <laughs> remember, on its way. Remember Rooneyville, Denny? Right. Yes. I, what was Prasky? Can Lamb? you hear all those people rolling their eyes right now? Yeah. <laughs> Well, while they're rolling our eyes, let's uh, let's take a bit of a break here. But we have more real estate show coming up here on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. Stay with us, and welcome back to this portion of the real estate show here on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. Chris and Andy in studio, and if you were just joining us, so who did you bring with you? You've got a couple of guests this morning. Well, I think Andy. I mean, Andy can introduce them because I know you've done a lot of work with yep. Jason. Jason Osberg with uh, Metrowide Development. Yep. You guys have kind of collaborated on a, on a few developments mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, over the years, we've uh, we've definitely been working on different projects because, you know, from the consumer listening that's out there, you know, you, you have a piece of land and, and, you know, you always want to maximize usually the return or you want to influence what it turns into. And so I think that there's – we brought a couple of resources in here too. We brought in Darren Lazan in from uh, Landform as well. So we welcome to the studio, guys. We uh, – uh, I would like to. You're supposed to say thanks. You're supposed to say thanks. You're the best, Andy. You're the best. Remember, we practiced the best this. show ever. We practiced this. This is, a, this is my favorite show. Hey, no one ever says that. So you didn't miss anything. <laughs> no. So we brought these guys in because you know, Denny. The other thing we jokingly were saying, you know, a couple weeks ago. Not well. You keep saying Chris. It's not a joke, but Rooneyville. So yeah. if I'm a landowner and I want to develop a new concept or a new housing development or a, you know, or just you're just curious what your land is worth. We thought we'd bring these guys in today to kind of talk about that. You know Very what I mean? Good. So from an engineering perspective, um, I know Jason was also not as a developer. He was also a city planner. So um, we, we have a lot of great resources here today, Chris. Yeah, and what, what is, Darren, what is Landform? So Landform is a full-service site development firm. So uh, we provide landscape architecture, engineering, surveying, um, planning, and we kind of wrap those all together um, predominantly for the for the private development community. So mm. we, do, we have a fair number of – um, public clients as well, some cities that are maybe more development-oriented, um, but uh, predominantly for the private market. 
So if I was a landowner and I, I was just like in the very beginning stages, do I call somebody like you or do I call the city planner first? Or how do we get started with developing a piece of land that I own? Sure. So oh, that's uh, more and more common every day that we get approached by landowners that maybe have had some pressure from developers, knocked on their doors, um, but they, they want to look at the project um, more holistically. Maybe it's their disposition plan, move the family farm into uh, the next generation. Um, so we'll sit down with them and we kind of approach it um, from, a, from an integrated design and development process. So we'll mm-hmm. look at the piece of property, what it can yield. Um, we'll look at maybe some of the development constraints. Are there wetlands? Are there roadway connection constraints? Mm-hmm. So on and so forth. Um, and then we'll kind of come up with an idea of what can what can go there. And then through our entitlement management group, we'll uh, work through the communities, through their zoning and land use, and try to find the best path forward. So, for Darren, would you recommend, though, that when we're getting started, would, would you recommend talking to the city planner first? Or would you talk – how do you – do I go online and look at the zoning of my land? Mm-hmm. Or where do we start, I guess? I, of course, we'd love them to call you. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's – uh, but, I mean, if I'm not quite ready for that yet, what do I do? Well, I think it's a great question, too. I actually meeting later today with a group, um, same question, and I recommended that we get together first. We look at your parcel. We help you get fully aware of what that can yield. I think you can get um, – you can develop a, pro- a process to approach the community, approach the planners about mm-hmm. what you'd like to do, but rather than walking in you know, open-handed or hat-in-hand saying, hey, what do you want on my parcel, I'd – Definitely recommend that you. Well, and, and and we actually have Jason Osberg in here too. Jason, um, as a previous city planner, yeah. um, what, what sometimes the city planners have different political pressures, or they have like an agenda. I don't want to say the word agenda in a bad way, but agenda like the city would like to accomplish certain densities or whatever. So, from a city planner's, uh, you know, put that hat back on. I know it's been a few years, but what's their perspective on when somebody approaches them as a city? Yep. Good question, Andy. And it's been a long time since I had that hat on. It's been almost 20 years. But um, what the what the city's ultimately looking at is their uh, comprehensive plan and their land use guide plan. And it, it, it's a process and it's a plan and a guide that the city's put in place through several hearings, public input, uh, Metropolitan Council review. Um, a lot of thought has gone into it. Mm-hmm. Um, the city want to see various zoning districts. They want to see various parks, trails, open space, road connections, retail, industrial, commercial, mm-hmm. tax base for their community. Um, obviously residential. They want to see that happen too. So the city looks at all of the the, the physical features along with um, transportation and they come up with a guide plan. So at that point, as Darren just said a few minutes ago, property owners, developers, engineers, architects can come up with concept plans and then take to the city and say, hey, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Is there support? Is there political pressure? Is there something that we need in this community? Um, as Darren said, what Landform does, everything that they do for their clients, I take it a step further. As a developer, I also look at the market. I look mm-hmm. at, like you and Chris do as realtors, what will the market bear? What does the market want? Is there Are there too many two-story homes in a certain neighborhood? Do we need detached slab-on-grade villas? What is the age of our neighborhood? Right. What does our community need? So working with the city, working with planning commissions, city councils, park commissions is a great way to move forward. Hmm. And then throw in there that you have to know this all like a year in advance. 
of what it's going to be because it takes a while to develop a piece of land. Well, that's a great question. So, Darren, how long does it take, you know, from concept to where we're actually, you know, um, you know, driving down the streets? How long does that take? That's a good question again. Um, depends on the property, depends on those constraints. Um, you know, Jason, a couple projects recently that we got started and ended uh, in the same year. That's fairly aggressive and fairly unusual. Wow. Um, I think the, the normal city process is going to be 90 to 120 days. And that's assuming you have all your answers and you're ready to go and you make your application. But realistically, uh, if you want to do a project in uh, 2019, say you better be looking at it right now getting through the approval processes over the winter and beginning of spring to be in Well, because I think a lot of people don't realize, like right now, the I, if it wasn't this week, it's going to be next week. The asphalt plants all start shutting down, and then they stop putting in, you know, the, the roadways. And that, that can, no matter how far along you are on the project, if you don't have asphalt in, a lot of times they won't provide building permits or they have limited building permits available. So that can really financially destroy a developer. I mean, yeah. you know. I mean, not to, it's not even funny. It's actually horrible. No. So you really want to time it out right. Yeah. No, we paved a project last week that was literally the last day of the construction season and uh, with a, a tremendous amount of relief because if we hadn't gotten that done, we would have been holding it over the winter. Um, builders that were lined up ready to go wouldn't have been able to start construction. That would have all delayed. And again, um, spring parades, a, spring parades yeah. don't get yeah. hit. That's a great point. And, uh, and yeah, just financially, when you have that kind of carry, you've already bought the land. You've done all the grading and utilities. Everything's ready to go with paving. Mm-hmm. You hit a dead stop with winter. You're done for the season, and you're starting again, and you're carrying that all the way over. So, so real quick, I, you know, uh, let's say that I, I own a piece of property, and I don't like the way my property is zoned. I look at that. I go to the city website, and I look at it. I'm doing my research, and I see, wow, I'm zoned for whatever. Is there a process? Can I just go in and uh, change an application, or do I have to go through a city process, or how does that go to changing zoning? Jason. Yeah, that's a good question, Andy. And it, it is more common probably than people think. Uh, cities do go about rezoning properties, reguiding properties on a case-by-case basis. It happens. Um, mm-hmm. There may be a broad brush approach that the city looked at in their land use guide plan, something they may have missed, or maybe a new road popped up, or maybe something changed within the hinterland that would would allow or, necessita- or necess- necessitate that land uh, to be different. So it yeah. does happen. A property owner can come in and say, hey, I-, I really think my property makes more sense as retail than it does as industrial or mm-hmm. medium density residential versus low density residential. And there could be a lot of factors that go into that, Andy. Uh, mm-hmm. Soils, topography, wetland. Um, all, all kinds of things that that drive the use. Um, so now let me throw a wrench into that system for you guys. So now you get a crazy landowner like Chris Rooney, and he says, I want to develop Rooneyville, which is completely off the charts for zoning. How do you even approach a city with a concept plan like that? Um, go, well, and tell, them, <laughs> tell them the zoning. Yeah. I mean, it's not as crazy as one might think. No, no. But, I, I'm just I'm, I'm having fun with you, of course, at your expense. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it is a wonderful concept. I think that a lot of the cities that are out there listening to this show – I would love to be part of, or you guys, I'm sure, too, of we, we want to bring in some new zoning in there that actually can be high-end, it can be single-family, but having the rental unit concept within the confines of a, totally separate a single-family property. Within a single-family property. I mean, one of the one of the challenges is just that. We, we have some very prescriptive zoning that's in place, zoning and land use that's in place both, 
probably done almost in a vacuum with most property owners. Not too many farmers attend those meetings and track where their land use is going. Mm -hmm. Uh, The plan gets set with the information before a city at a given time, and then reality happens. Then you have someone come forward to the Rooneyville and say, hey, I got a great idea, and it doesn't fit the mold. And more often than not, I'd say now, developments are coming forward in an alternative um, path, either Mm -hmm. a PUD or rezoning. Um, PUD is a planned unit development, so you come forward and and basically – Bring a master plan forward, show how it works, why it works, and then you work with the community to adopt that design as the zoning standard. Very but I think housing, housing needs have changed, and I don't understand why they would not, as a city, be willing to look at something that now would be completely useful. Because you look at the amount of uh, you know, the families that are out there that have adult children coming home, or they have the, you know, the uh, let's say they're empty nesters and they want to have a little income or they're retired. And that, that is what we're talking about here is creating a property that would work for more people in today's world. All right. We have much more information to go here on the Real Estate Show, so uh, stay with us. We're around every Saturday in the 10 o'clock hour. Hope you join us, and I hope you stay with us here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And uh, Chris and Andy are in studio, but you have some special guests. Maybe uh, some folks tuned in a little bit late. Who did you uh, did you bring with you? Yeah, it's Darren Lazan with Landform Professional Services and uh, Jason Osberg with Metrowide Development. And we've been talking about how to uh, create a development and stuff like that. And we got into Rooneyville. Just so everyone knows, yep. it won't be called Rooneyville, but there it's coming. Um, always start with a placeholder first. Yeah. You don't want to launch the original brand right after Exactly. That. It's going to be, it's, yeah, marketing's coming. <laughs> but, uh, Jason, I wanted to ask you, I mean, is the idea I'm talking about really something that the city is negative about, or are the cities out there maybe looking for something different? Yeah, Chris, I think, I think uh, a lot of times cities get the bad rap that they're just black and white, don't want to think outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Um may sound bad, but a lot of that hinges on political pressures, what what uh, the elected officials want to see, how far they want to put their necks out on something unique. But ultimately, Chris, I, I can tell you that most city staff I've worked with and had applications in front of have always been open to thinking outside of the box. So mm-hmm. Rooneyville, with unique ideas, different aspects that are unique to that community. Mm-hmm. Those are good things. I think when you involve density and you involve affordability, you involve natural resource preservation, you involve neighborhood collaboration, you get everybody involved along with the marketplace if the marketplace can support it, because let's not kid ourselves. Mm -hmm. If the marketplace won't support it, it will not become a reality or it will be subsidized. And we'll all be paying for it. Well, in an effort to keep housing prices, you know, a little more, what we call affordable, what's affordable nowadays? You know, I mean, 400000 I don't know. I mean, you know, and, it's, and what's crazy is that you look at by the time that a piece of land is purchased from from the, quote, farmer or the landowner, and it's developed and it's engineered and, and, and uh, you know, and then there's a profit on it for the developer. These lots, I mean, most of the developments I look at start at 100000 and go up to 250000 for city lots. You know, and it's it's depending on what part of the city that you're in. And so that's a big part of the cost of new construction. And, you know, and I think that there's um, density is, is a challenge that I think most, at least I observe most cities trying to get the pricing or help with the pricing, they make smaller lots. And then these houses look like they're touching each other. And then there's people that say, well, I'd never live there. Look at those houses. They're all over each other. And, but, but yet, but that's what is being asked of them. And so it's like, do you want smaller lots or do you want 
like a concept like we're talking about where you have owner-occupied potential rental units inside of an owner-occupied property that, you know, you still have a larger lot. The person can afford to pay more because there's income coming in now on that property. Yeah. And, you know, just to kind of clarify my concept is that that's one little piece of it that you could rent it out. But there's so many more options. I mean, with multi-generational families, Mm -hmm. parents living there, maybe kids living there, maybe people going off to Florida and someone watching over the property. I mean, a a lot of those things. But you you made a comment about city lots were like one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. In, I mean, what are we, seventy to 80000 for like a raw acre? How does, I mean, if you can get three out of that, how the heck does it get to that kind of price? Yeah, I, and, and, and something we see continually is that measure. We keep looking at, you know, what are we looking at raw land versus what I can fit on there? And, and the, some of the old rules of thumb have really gone by the wayside. We used to say raw land's about a third of the finished lot price. Uh, I think with the uh, increase in complexity and the approvals and, and uh, some of the entitlement components, that's probably closer to 25%. So when you look at what you're paying for raw land, everybody says, you know, wow, the, they, they, they made X on this because they sold those lots for, for Y. It, you know, the raw land's between a quarter and a third of that value. So there's a lot of design, entitlement, um, and uh, costs that go into that. You're tying up funds for long periods of time in escrow and in uh, sureties for the communities. So there's that, that's very complex. And I'll tell you what, and finding a developer, like, I mean, putting you two guys to work for me, <laughs> it's kind of like if I, the more, I mean, the more density I can get, more likely the more money I can get from my raw land. Well, often, so having a partner is really important. Yeah. It's just like listing a house. If we can position it right, we can probably get you more money. Yep. And often it's a, it's not just the, the density factor. Often we can find um, more efficient ways to allocate that density, less roads, less um, grading, less disturbance. Maybe even less lots might net more, and it might be a better project in the end game, which is often the case. But mixed-use projects, to your point in Rooneyville, that's getting much of the attention because you're you're getting compatible uses. You're putting them together. You're creating travel demand management scenarios where trips are lowered. If you're just going in the immediate area, your daycare, your grocery or whatever, and not getting on the main arterials and congesting the traffic – um, that's really a big component of these larger developments. So when we talk about, as Jason said, going into the community, you really you have to sell why this alternative path of, of zoning and land use makes the most sense. And mixing those uses, getting um, compatibility between those um, is really a big part of it. So I want to jump back um, to more traditional zoning. Darren was just talking about uh, some alternative ideas, um, but – Everybody always asks, you know, if 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 you buy land for a hundred thousand dollars per acre, Andy mentioned hundred thousand dollar lots, but at a hundred thousand dollars per acre, um, what what can you really yield out of that on a standard single family? The old rule of thumb has not gone away. With it's about two units per the acre for standard single family residential lots, eighty five, ninety foot wide lots in your standard residential single family zoning districts. So if you have $100,000 per acre and you're getting two lots after you factor out roads, parks, trails, wetlands, ponding, that kind of stuff, you do the math. You've got $50,000 right there in just dirt. And now you take and do all the improvements, the physical improvements, your sanitary sewer, your stormwater, your municipal water, all your... Um, park dedication fees, everything. Tree the removal, one, the that transportation goes, fees I heard is real popular amongst developers right now. <laughs> uh, I don't it's think made the we want a couple to, times. We're not going to comment <laughs> on that part, but we can easily get to around forty, fifty thousand dollars per lot with financing and everything. So 
when you're at $100,000 for a single family lot, it's sticker shock. Mm-hmm. But those are the real costs. And and that's why that's a cost we as a need developer, right? as the developer. And that's before we take it to the market and try to put margins on there for our business. So you'd sell that lot for about 105 then? Is that the... Uh... <laughs> To, to Andy in Rooneyville, yes, one hundred and five thousand per lot. But um, that's fair. We, we'll take. We'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. No, I think that sometimes you know you'll see developers. Oh, depending on how they're structured too with their financing, sometimes they have banks involved, and the banks want to see certain margins on that too. So the banks will also help dictate what they suggest for a retail value. And sometimes we're pushing the market. I mean, sometimes those lots will go for 125 to 140 and then there's other times where those are positioned where they can get over 150 for that same scenario. But it's not all profit. That's what we're, I think we're kind of coming back to is that it's – and it's a lot of it is, you know, when you look at the cost to develop – I mean, we've looked at projects in areas like, you know, the, the, the Plymouth area where some of those lot uh, improvements and fees and everything else can be 70000 plus, you know, by the time you take that raw land cost, add that on top – and a lot of times the raw land costs over there are three times that. So it's it gets very – that's why those lots are 250000 over in the Plymouth markets because of that. There's all those factors. It's not just somebody marking it up and being greedy. It's it's There's a lot of different you know scenarios that make that number happen. So, well, I think you're always chasing the market. I mean, as right. Chris mentioned, when you're starting a project one year, hoping to bring it to market the following year, um, and the entitlement costs, constraints of development are – increasing consistently mm-hmm. by the time you bring that to market you're always pushing the market because right. what the assumptions you made a year and a half ago all change and um so yeah you, we're well, always it's great we talk just to give an example of that jason and i did a development over in dayton a couple of years back where we had our lots at eighty nine thousand. really nice you know 80 and fo- result yep okay. final product to the consumer eighty nine thousand, eighty nine nine or whatever they were and they were 200 feet deep they were you know 80 feet wide and now most of the lots I'm looking at are 130 to 155, and that's four years later. And that's it. Just it's the way it goes. But now some of the new developments that are coming on board have swimming pools, and they have little park areas, and they have all the amenities that get those developments approved. You know, and that, anyway, I think it's a positive thing. It's just that I, it's been a real challenge for new construction this year. Is is the price of land? You know, interest rates hit us at the same time. And, and I think materials. We're, yeah, and materials. And I think mm-hmm. we're cooling off just a little bit. So from a developer's perspective and an engineering perspective, do you guys see the market still carrying on strong through the next couple of years? Or what are you seeing? What are you forecasting? Well, that's great. Uh, constant question, I guess. You know, uh, one of the interesting pieces is, is the marketplace when we're talking about single family. Um, the builders and developers that are buyers out there, the builders that are buyers out there were builders and developers pre-recession. Mm-hmm. And if they're still around today and successful today is because they made it through that recession. They didn't make it through, you know, crystal clear. So mm-hmm. they're very hesitant. They they look at limiting their stock. They look at making great greater buys. Um, so it's a consistent challenge and, and uh, there's some nervousness out there. There always sure. probably will be for a number sure. of years. But that's the challenge. We got to hit that price mark and we got to get them comfortable but that, I think, that they can move. Wouldn't you, Darren, agree, though? I think that uh, long story short, I think that we still see healthy markets ahead of us. Um, we temporarily see some rate in, you know, creases that have touched some things, but ultimately new construction I see as being a solid market for many years to come. So yeah, we agree. I mean, we're bringing lots online. So uh, it's lots something that stuff. we have a lot of confidence in. Uh, you bring a great product online and then builders are going to be looking for those lots. We're good. We have more conversation to, to come to stay uh, with us here on the Real Estate Show around every Saturday in the 10 o'clock hour here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on News Talk 830 WCC. A few minutes remaining in the show, Chris and Andy, and uh, you have some special guests and a great show, fun show, a lot of information today. 
Yeah, you can't get to the phones. You got too much information. <laughs> we got to get it in though. Jason Osberg with uh, Metro Develop Metro Wide Development, and Darren Lazan owns Landform Professional Services. Now you're actually a licensed landscape architect, correct? Mm. But you have everyone else underneath you. Correct. We have uh, land surveyors, engineers, planners, landscape architects, and uh, it's kind of a um, site to finish is our tagline. We we where we don't have those services in house. We we have partners that we bring in to. And if, if somebody was trying to get a hold of you guys to start the process, I know you know uh, as as Chris laughs with you. Uh, the the how do we how do we get a hold of you? I mean, you know, do we do you have a number? Do you have a website? What how do they find you? Sure, net and all the information's on there. Cool. Yeah, we'll get to Jason's too. But you said from site to finish. Correct. I think we got a little secret that something's already finished. <laughs> Correct. And we got something available for people, and we're hearing it for the first time. Correct. So Jason and I have partnered on another project uh, in Andover. Um, it's a uh, low-impact design development, um, and low-impact design essentially is just a development approach to making the uh, the least amount of footprint on the land as we develop. So we have mm-hmm. narrower rights away. Uh, narrower roadways, minimal grading. We treat stormwater um, kind of in a very um, light manner in the ditches and small swales, do biotreatment and so forth. But um, it's just a unique development approach. And and uh, we have a brand new project we just paved last week, um, 24 lots, the preserve at Peterson Farms. And uh, we're excited to bring those uh, those lots to market. Now, what, where's the price point on those going to be? So I think the Jason could probably chime in a little bit. The average is about around one forty five. There's some in the one twenty nine area and some a little bit higher. But uh, um, a little unique to this development is is uh, rather than um, kind of a cl- uh, lots that back up to each other and so forth. Every one of these lots back up to open space. So it's along the Rum River uh, on the north. The lots back up to backwaters of the Rum River and wetland complexes. So every lot has no backyards in it. So they're all kind of premium lots. Do you want the realtor spin? Yeah. We're out there, and these have majestic oak trees, you know, growing everywhere. There's beautiful grasslands. As we're sitting there, no joke, I'm looking out the window, looking at an eagle flying over the, the site. Jason says to me, Andy, hey, look, the deer. And there's a deer running across the property. So this site is pristine. It's probably one of the more special, I would say, if you're looking for something different, something unique, and something that is actually just majestic, as I is a word that I used, and uh I got, you know, the uh, for the name, Jess, but that's been used up there a lot. But um, anyway, so, Jason, tell us a little bit about, you know, um, the, the the family, the farm. There's a story behind it, too. And we just wanted to thank them, too, I guess. And then, uh, yeah, let's let people know how to get a hold of you. Yeah, we've uh, we've been really, really fortunate to have this opportunity to be a part of this development in this neighborhood. Not only is it just the 24 lots that we're talking about today, uh, we are in front of the city of Andover again for the planned unit development under a low impact design that Darren just alluded to for the adjacent 350 acres for future phases to come. Um, but back to the initial phase, it's called the preserve at Peterson farms. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we selected the name preserve at Peterson's Peterson farms uh, because the Peterson family has owned that property for close to 80 years, Jeez. three to four generations and I apologize to the Petersons because I don't know all their family history. However, it's been a blessing to work with them. Um, they wanted to maintain the uniqueness, the character, the natural amenity of the property, working with Stephen Diane Park and Kevin Peterson and their parents just to preserve the legacy of Peterson Farms has been very rewarding. Um, 
it they're yeah. they're Andover residents, um, and and they 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 live in the community. Both Darren and I live in the community as well, and we thought this would be a very nice neighborhood for our community to have, both as developers, partners, and future residents. So I'm listening to you guys talk, and I'm thinking about you know, okay, so where is this? First of all, it's in Andover. It's right up. You know, and I, I hate to use the old turkey farm, but those of you that live in that area know that it was on seven there, the old turkey farm, which is on the west side of the property. This is the far east side of the property right. with all the majestic trees and the road. I mean, it's hidden. It's a gem. And, uh, you know, l- like we've talked about before, what, what kind of houses do you guys envision being built up there? You know, can we do pole barns? Because it is acreage, you know, acreage with trees and it's gorgeous. And, you know, what do you see being yeah. built up there, guys? Yeah, those are those are uh, our smallest lots are acre and a half. And those back up to some pretty expansive uh, wetland complexes. But the rest of them are all two and a half acres. So those are fairly large lots. You get some separation. So you can do um, outbuildings. Um, we do have an HOA or homeowners association over the project to control the architectural guidelines to hold that quality standard. So we do have some um, requirements for the front of the house to have certain stone, brick, and and so forth. Sure. We do allow secondary buildings; they can be built on the property. So if you have the boats and the and the toys, you have a place to put them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the materials do need to match or or be similar to the home. So, so Jason, as a as a developer, what do you envision for like retail values? I mean, what do you see or what are you guessing to see the the swing of values? I mean. We're talking, you know, 500 to a million and a half. Are we talking, you know, what, what is your guess? That's a good question, Andy. Um, lot prices, like Darren said a minute ago, are going to go anywhere from 129 up to around 155 And with that, um, we're looking at probably that $600,000 range and up. Uh, one of our okay. partners on the, the site, or not a partner, but one of our builders is uh, Jesse with Sharper Homes. He's told us he's going to be at that 600 and up range. And uh, okay. we definitely see that with the type of lots we so have. So you guys have builders available, but you also can buy the lots yourself and hold the lot. So it's a, it's a really unique opportunity. Um, so how do we find out more information about the yep. development? Really good question. So we're in the process right now of creating our website. It's www.buildatpetersonfarms.com, okay. S-E-N for Peterson. And then we also have a Facebook page. Um, where you can uh, search the preserve at Peterson Farms, and both are underneath. Uh, you'll find the information there. But our we have a really good realtor. <laughs> He's standing across from me right Chris now. Chris Rooney? He's <laughs> standing <laughs> right next to you. What are you talking about? Yeah, call me. I'll drive you guys around if you want to go looking at the lots, and we can have some fun looking at these beautiful home sites. So. All right, we got to go. We're out of time. Thank you, guys. Thanks very much. We hope you join us again next week with more of the Real Estate Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.